0: Candace Long with Lessons in the Latter Days, offering biblical commentary to make sense of the times that we're living in. Today's episode is called Surviving the Coming Judgment. Though the mainstream media want us to believe that everything will return to normal if everyone gets vaccinated, the biblical signs tell us something different. The signs I see is all that's happening in our country. It's as if there is no safe place anywhere from shootings, floods, storms, wildfires, protests, and uprisings. A lot of people are asking, God, where are you? I believe he has taken his hand of protection off of us and leaving us to manage things on our own. And here's why. In an earlier episode, I quoted from Proverbs 26, which lays out an important principle. A curse that is causeless does not light. This means that if bad stuff is still happening, then divine judgment is still being released. We have not dealt with the root issue through genuine repentance which is admitting our guilt and moving away from the direction that we were going. The other principle we want to look at is that we reap what we have sown. This means that whatever we are experiencing is similar somehow to the root sin. For example, if you have a consistent health issue in your digestive system, A good counselor or minister will look at possible root issues of unforgiveness, of pent-up resentment and bitterness that person is holding on to and stuffing inside. You see, the consequence is always related to the root problem. Today I want to bring to you what I believe to be the root issue that has opened the door to our nation's decline. This goes back 40 years which is a biblical generation. In 1980, the Supreme Court passed a heinous law. It ruled that companies have the right to patent or create new organisms by mixing existing ones and therefore violating the most sacred of natural laws that God established in the earth. This is a grievous sin. I've been a creator of things for over 40 years, and when someone steals my ideas or creations, I am livid because some stranger has stolen the legal copyright protection surrounding my creation and presumed ownership of something that is not his. Now, what the highest court in our country did to the Almighty— was basically say, you have no right over the organisms and elements that you created. We consider them public domain and will do whatever we want to by creating new organisms through genetic engineering. Biotech companies make billions every year from this technology, but they're not the only ones profiting. Those who own stock in such companies are also complicit. Our companies and laboratories assume the right to manipulate DNA from one organism and splice it into another, showing no regard for the cellular boundaries of the original organisms. Now, since we have disregarded the walls of protection that God placed around the cells of healthy organisms, the Almighty is absolutely just, to permit our cellular walls to be penetrated by something else. I believe this may be the root cause behind the coronavirus pandemic. It's not vaccines and masks that we need. It is humbling ourselves before God and repenting for our arrogance, our lust for money, and technological supremacy. There's another door that we've opened through this technology. For someone to physically insert a DNA strand from one species into another is a whole other offense to God because this process is far from gentle. On a cellular and biochemical level, scientists basically bombard or force a strand from one organism into the unsuspecting wall of a separate organism that God created which, if you think about it, is a cellular form of rape. Now, this inhuman practice could be the root cause why we are seeing increased numbers of rape and assault cases every year. What we are doing to God's creation is being done unto us. We reap what we sow. God warned us about this time from the very beginning. Let me explain. When the Lord gave instructions to Adam and Eve in Genesis 2 on how to live and sustain themselves on this planet, he showed them the forbidden tree and said, Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall die. Now we have typically understood this verse to mean that the moment when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, sin entered the world. But I want us to consider a secondary meaning. The phrase, in the day that you eat of it, could refer not just to a moment in time when two people did something awful, but also to a future time period characterized by man being totally nourished and sustained by the forbidden. The Lord could well be saying prophetically that in that day, In that time period, mankind will die. It is very possible that Genesis was a picture, a shadow, a replica of the time period that we are living in today. Let's consider this question. The forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden was from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Could that tree have been forbidden because... It was genetically modified. Think about it. Jesus said in Matthew 7, a sound tree cannot bear evil fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Jesus is saying that it is not possible to have soundness and unsoundness in a single tree. For a God made tree is inherently good. Now, once again, as we have seen in the last several episodes, It is the mixture of something God made and man-engineered that is the problem. Could it be that God is showing us that the generation that sustains itself from, nurtures itself by, and has an inordinate craving for food and things that have been genetically altered, that that is the generation that is about to perish? God help us. So far, the prognosis for our country doesn't look good. But with God, there is always a way through a situation. So what can we do? Let me suggest some things that we can do right now, individually. Number one, we can repent. And in repentance, it is important to name the things that we are repenting for with the intent not to return to those things. It is an open, bare-bones acknowledgement of where we've gone wrong, a deep sorrow for falling so far short of God's best for us, and then a calculated move toward doing the right thing. In the case of technologies such as gene modification, billions of people are involved with this. It would take an act of God to bring about a national repentance of the kind that's needed to turn this nation around. Chances are that's not going to happen because, frankly, too many people are profiting off of this technology. I need to point out that true repentance can be costly. One of my most expensive life lessons involved an investment strategy that I was doing. For several years, I had been hedging my bets against a possible economic downturn by shorting the market. Now, this happened to be during a time when I was researching biblical principles regarding hybrid organisms and mixed seed. So if truth be told, I was feeling a little arrogant, looking down my nose at all those other people developing mixed or hybrid organisms. And that's when I heard the still small voice rise up inside of me that said, what about your investment strategy? Isn't that a hybrid? I thought to myself, what? And he said, what you are doing is investing in the downfall of America. Is this the type of investment that I can bless? Now, by now, I was really squirming because I knew I really didn't have a handle on biblical investing. Instead, I had given over that responsibility to others whose views were probably different from mine. After a lot of repentance, I changed my entire strategy. But in the process, I lost a lot of money initially by deciding to do the right thing. God's ways are narrow, but they are true. And when we follow them, he promises his hand of favor and blessing upon them. Number two, we can pray over ourselves every day. Now, I've mentioned this before in earlier episodes, but it bears mention here. If you have confessed your complicity and separated yourself from any involvement with genetic engineering, even holding biotech companies in your stock portfolio, then you are basically saying, Lord, I've taken every step I know to distance myself from this sin against you. I ask you to be faithful to your promise to protect me on a cellular level and keep me from being vulnerable to disease by manipulated viruses. I read Psalm 91 over myself every day. Remember when the Lord was pouring out His judgment on the nation of Egypt. He protected the area of Goshen where the Hebrews lived 100% of the time because they were walking in the ways of the Lord. Now, I believe this is a time when the Lord is seeing who has chosen to follow His ways and who does not. And in the future, we will see Him deal differently with various geographical areas of the country based on the numbers of people who are going the way of the world, And those who hold God's ways in high regard. Number three, we can become like Noah. Now, since we clearly seem to be in the days of Noah, I believe we can gain understanding by examining the stages that Noah went through before getting on the ark and how God prepared him to escape the coming judgment in his day. Ask yourself which of these stages you are in now. According to the ancient book of Jasher, which is a historical resource mentioned in scripture and highly regarded by our forefathers, Noah preached to family members and friends who were caught up in the evils of the day, encouraging them consistently to stay true to God. More and more, though, they turned a deaf ear to him. Now we see a lot of this now with those who have walked with the Lord for a long time. We are especially sensitive to younger members of our families who are following after this morally permissive culture. We warn and we counsel, and usually it falls on deaf ears. At some point, Noah heard God tell him to prepare an ark, a specific place of refuge and safety for him, his family, and those untainted animals that God wanted to preserve. And no one had ever seen an ark before, because up until the flood, the world had never known rain. At first, Noah's time was divided between working on the ark and still interacting with the world around him, hoping to see some positive sign that all of his efforts to help save others were appreciated. The time came, however, when he knew that he no longer fit into the culture because it had grown so corrupt. No one was paying him any attention. In fact, they scoffed at him increasingly, made fun of him. Unfortunately, we will see this too, where we look around at what's going on and we think, what world am I in? I don't fit in anymore. At that point, a shift took place inside of Noah. I want you to pay attention because this is an internal, personal shift. He knew that the culture around him had gone too far and was at a point of no return. Now, what Noah did then was to focus all of his attention to the ark. He stayed the course and he never looked back. Most people believe it took Noah a hundred years to make the ark. Jasher writes that it took Five years. Now, this work required increasing focus as God revealed step by step how to build this strange ship. Now, the more Noah built, the more he sensed that he was building a divinely engineered bunker that would enable his family to survive the terrors of the coming judgment. You see, surviving divine judgment is primary in God's heart but he needs us to listen, as Noah did, to his step-by-step instructions. What kind of bunker would God have you build? I believe God is calling forth divinely appointed imagination right now, especially to husbands and fathers. This is an area where men are especially strong. A woman may sense that there is danger coming, but a man's gift lies in planning and implementation, and both are desperately needed today. On a practical level, the admonition is to get your financial affairs in order. Build up your home and your supplies to be able to withstand hard times. Plan escape routes and ways that family members can come together if something suddenly happens and there is no communication. Is God saying anything to you right now about relocating? I've spoken with many people who are so grieved by the defilement in today's culture that they have felt the need to move to a rural setting to raise their children. Pay attention to these leadings. You do not want to be in the middle of a large city when judgment hits. Do not procrastinate on this, please. There are those who may say, surely it's not all that bad. We can turn this thing around. If that is your belief, then by all means do that. God's heart would certainly be for repentance, for godly people to step into leadership positions in their communities and work toward reformation. However, if you do feel led to move, your first appeal is to your family to see who will come with you or choose to remain in the world. This had to have been a hard time for Noah because he had a lot of family members. There were descendants of Enoch, Methuselah, and Jared, all of whom had fallen away by this time. This required Noah to take strong stands against their behaviors. He endured a lot of ridicule, but he kept on following God's ways. His family of only eight eventually got on board and strengthened themselves in unity to build their place of refuge. Now, the bottom line is that if you belong to the Lord, he will tell you when it's time to pull away. For his promise is to provide a way of escape even though we may not see it now. He is the Lord and our trust must be in him. That trust must be a daily confession. Number four, Generational cleansing. We need to practice the spiritual discipline of generational cleansing. That means closing the doors that our ancestors may have opened if they did not regard the Lord or follow his ways. Now, this area is too important to try to sum up in a paragraph, so I want to recommend a few resources to you. If you want to see those, please take a look at this podcast description. On my website, you'll find it under my resources at CandiceLong.com. Number five, protect your bloodline. Keep your hammer for building your ark and your weapon by your side at all times, for many attacks will come against God's people on a cellular level. Just as iron and clay do not mix, neither will a child of God and an antichrist system. This final kingdom that we're living in now before the day of the Lord will grow in strength. It will presume authority over every living person, pull out the legal stops to enforce laws that take away our rights and disseminate fake news to force us one way or another to become compliant with their world system. And that's where our prayers must focus for this level of divine protection. Ask God to build a divine shield around your DNA to protect its cellular core from every attack, not only against man-made viruses, but against mixing your bloodline with someone whose blood has been tainted. The enemy's strategy is this. If he cannot take you out, he will try to infiltrate your family with a decoy a poser sent to deceive and lure you or someone in your family. This is a special word to parents. You must place a prayer shield around your children and guard against mixing your bloodline with someone who may not be true. This is the subject of a monograph that I wrote called How to Spot the Decoy in Your Midst, and you'll find it in my online store. I won't go into in depth here other than to say that this is one of the biggest threats to families today. Producing a race of hybrids was definitely going on in the days of Noah, and I believe this is going on in our day. Inspect carefully the lure, the longing and strong attraction that others may display for your children. The parental charge today has never been called to greater vigilance. Keep watch and pray over your seed that it not be compromised. Number six, take these practical steps. To protect your family against a mixed-seed environment, Buy organic food as much as possible and consider growing your own food, asking God to bless your ground. I believe He will set apart that ground and bless your efforts to keep your family safe and manage your ground as He originally intended. Supplement your diet with healthy vitamins and filtered water so as to keep your immune system healthy. Avoid the impact of destructive sound waves and Practice media deprivation as much as possible and be mindful about those you allow in your home. And finally, consider building cities or areas of refuge. I believe that, like with Noah, we are nearing the time for groups of like-minded people of faith to pull away and establish areas of refuge. This has been on my heart for many years, so if this interests you, please let me hear from you. This could well be a move of God in its early stages. In closing, I want to speak directly to those of you who are intercessors, ministers, pastors, or teachers. This is your time. Because of the difficult times that God has asked you to go through, You know how to stand strong when everything looks hopeless because God has proved himself faithful to you over and over again. People will turn to you when things get worse, to teach them about the Lord and explain the times that we are living in. You have been born for such a time as this. If you'd like to refer this program and this series to others, You'll find them under my podcast at CandiceLong.com. In each episode, I deal with signs that show that we are living in the days right before the Messianic Kingdom, and I provide biblical commentary to help you understand these times. My desire is to encourage you and assure you that even if the Lord has removed His protection from the nation at large... He has promised to keep those who belong to Him safely in the shadow of His wings and in the shelter of the Almighty. I'm Candace Long. I have spent the last few years writing and producing digital and video resources to help you navigate these times. You'll find them on my website at candacelong.com. Thank you so much for listening to Lessons in the Latter Days. God bless.